Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome back to the second Limited Upside podcast of the week. Putting in the midnight oil. I feel like I am giving you guys more than you should have. I'm Mike Prada. Ben Epstein's on the other line. And our special guest today is the newest member of the Blue Wire family, formerly of The Ringer, Haley O'Shaughnessy. How are you? I'm wonderful. After months of begging you to let me come on, you finally... Let me appear on your podcast, and I could not be more thrilled. Oh, I must have lost those emails. <laughs> I don't know where those. They must were. have gone to spam. I'm sure. I'm you, sure. That's probably what happened. But no, for real, you're now you're now full time member of the Blue Wire family. I'm sure a lot of people are curious what uh, exactly is to come. So, what is to come? Uh, I absolutely during the NBA season we will have a an NBA podcast. Um, and then other projects I can't exactly talk about yet, but that are very exciting and I can't wait to eventually talk about. Big cliffhangers there, but basically uh, watch out for things in a couple of months. <laughs> that's great. I mean, I, I would tell you that you've joined the right podcast network and look, we're partial here um, as members of the Blue Wire family, but it's cool to have you on and ultimately like, I think Mike has been pretty explicit about trying to get as many uh, members of the Blue Wire family slash people who we probably have crossed paths with a million times without ever actually talking to. So I feel like we have a lot of mutual connections and a love for the NBA here that that's basically the only foundation of this show. Mike and I literally started this podcast because other uh, coworkers at SB Nation were tired of us arguing with each other and not recording it. So I think the premise here is, is spot on. So welcome. Welcome to the show, uh, Haley. And, and thank you again for uh, for taking the time, even before you start your full endeavor into all your creative, uh, uh, you know, whatever it is you're going to do. We'll leave that cliffhanger as it is. But we want to keep this pod top level. We spent earlier in the week talking about literally trades that at this point have been annulled in one case. Um, we spent like probably 20 minutes last podcast talking about the Kings and Bucks trade with Bogdanovich mm. signing trades. So. Yeah. Also annulled my oh, newsletter. Also annulled yep, my newsletter post. So that's, that's great. Yep. So that was fun. Shout out to the Kings, the, the best organization in the NBA. Um, but we want to keep this high level. And part of this is to talk about just the league in general, the direction it's going, the the season that is about to start. I mean, it's the 19th of November right now. We're about a month away. 
draft was last night. Uh, free agency is about to start. The the windows are so truncated. And then on top of it all is this over, you know ever looming relationship to how we're going to play these games. The actual physical relationship between fans in the stands, teams traveling to play, a non uh, I'm trying to think the best a non geographically sequestered schedule. That's probably the best way I can put it. So what are your thoughts? What are your apprehensions? What's the main thing on your mind as we step, call it one month out from a a, a very short off season, no summer league. All these rookies are about to jump right into the NBA. What's on your mind? We'll go from there. I think primarily on my mind is what seems to be on not enough people's minds, which is that coronavirus is more rampant than ever. And the cases are higher than ever. We are about to enter into a holiday season. It's not yet cold in California. um, So I can't personally say that, but I'm sure it will be soon. It's cold most other places and people will be indoors. We're going to have the holiday season. Numbers are only going to go up as people gather. And despite all of that, we're not having a more serious version of the bubble, which in terms of getting, you know, in terms of infection rates among players and staff inside of it was a huge success. Uh, It's not going to be a repeat of that. Instead, we're going to try opening it up even to fans, which is something we were talking about before we got on air. And I found exactly what uh, the Shams tweet was, which is, Sources, the NBA aims to have arena suites open to fans at 20 to 25 to 50% capacity for season tip-off based on local regulations. And that's something you were talking about, that this could change state to state. Um, that is so concerning to me. So there's all of those. I mean, that is the most concerning yep. thing. That's the thing that's on my mind most primarily. But let's say that this is not even a factor anymore. There's so many risks. Uh, and even just things to consider going into the season, having such a shortened off season and all these things happening at once. Rookies, we are not going to be able to, to judge on the same scale at all. And I think it's a really, we have a really short sighted um, perception as NBA fans. I'm guilty of this too, like a rookie. And now it's, it's harder too, because rookies success is sped up. So somebody who's in their third year, I think if they're not doing very well, we've already dismissed. Like who, mm-hmm. who among us still believes in Kevin Knox, which is probably super unfair. <laughs> like let's wait <laughs> until his fourth year, you know, although it was like a pretty, pretty bad debut there. Uh, but that is one thing to consider for sure. I think um, it shouldn't be overlooked that there will be more injuries this year. If you don't know what to expect and what to, to prepare for, you can't rest properly. So the guys who need rest either did not get it in the off season. And, and that's just mostly the top tier players because sure. otherwise you had a fuck ton of rest. Oh, no, you can do it. Uh, come on. Okay. Curse you away, had, man. <laughs> you had a bunch of rest. Um, but for someone like LeBron James, who is, you know, arguably the league's most important player, that kind of rest is crucial. Um, so, there's all those kinds of concerns of, of smashing it together. I do think some aspects of it will definitely be fun. Like learning things on the fly, watching a team do that is very fun. Mm-hmm. I think of like, okay, see last year, you know, I had a ball watching them. So yep. there will definitely be, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer right now, uh-huh. but there are a lot of things that I'm concerned about. Primarily the fact that we are in the middle of a pandemic. Things have not been worse 
since the beginning of the pandemic and the plan seems to be to loosen up stuff in the NBA. So that's concerning. I, yeah, I think that, yes. so I, I'm disappointed, but not I, like, it's a hard situation what the NBA is dealing with right now, because it's not their fault that the leadership of this country doesn't know how to control a virus. Um, but I am still a little disappointed because do you remember there there was all this talk about once the season ended we need to like kind of push back let's reimagine what this is all going to look like let's maybe wait till march maybe wait till the vaccine all this stuff and then all of a sudden it's like they look um, down at the financials like oh shit we're going to lose a lot of money and that's yeah. like up oh, 72 game season let's go we need to make it as normal as possible and i'm thinking yeah. to myself like even independent of all the covid stuff is this the time for the NBA to do business as usual? I mean, I know this is like kind of not mis- this is a bit of a misleading figure, but you know, ratings are ratings are starting to tank. Consumer habits are changing. This seemed like, in my mind, actually a really good opportunity to kind of rethink what the hell we're all doing here and how to do it a little bit differently in an, in this era. And instead, I think just short termism, understandably but frustratingly, is winning the day. And I, I think it's a missed opportunity to kind of really reimagine everything. Because, look, even if you have some arenas bring fans in and that brings in some money, it's still going to be not very much money. Um, it seems like this is a really – like when you want to reimagine things or when it's actually pretty dark. And instead – all of a sudden, it's like we got to get back on schedule to something normal, and I just I'm thinking to myself, like, what, why? Yeah, well, it's it's similar to like college football. I, I'll, I won't even use the NFL because the NFL was going to march forward regardless of the outcomes of of testing, et cetera. They would figure out a way. I mean, also literally over a hundred people yeah. on you know active you know and yeah. practice squad. Roster. Also, the NFL is doing pretty well, so like you could argue that I like mean, status quo. I mean, relative to other sports, you could argue that status quo works. The, 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 the NBA, NFL, I'm just not sure it's actually working. Two things. Two things in the NFL the units practice separately. You can have a constructive practice where the quarterbacks, the defensive line, the D-backs, the special teams never come in within six feet of each other. You cannot have a good basketball practice without having your team together. Like it's just, they can go have some, get some shots up, have a shoot around, you know, maybe practice or watch some film, whatever it may be. Um, but you're not going to have what you need specifically with the, a shortened off season, specifically with free agents and rookies having less than one month to integrate into a, a new team. Um, I, I think the college football parallel is look, that season's gone to hell. Um, multiple conferences started a month and a half late of those. Some of the teams still missed multiple games right now. You have teams like Maryland, Wisconsin, you know, big athletic programs with literally hundreds of people in the athletic program as a whole, not just football getting COVID, what the long-term relationship to that is, we don't know. Um, And so like, I I look at what the NBA is doing and I think if this is the most progressive league, both uh, from a top down level of like what they're willing to listen to the way that they treat their players, the way they think about the world around them aside from Hong Kong. um, But things, (laughs) things like the NBA trailblazing change and the ability to be reflexive in nature and proactive in nature uh, to the, to the world around them. um, And then not using that, you never want to be behind the MLB. Okay. (laughs) In terms of the league willing to make the most concessions for change. The NBA had an opportunity here to your point, Mike, to kill two birds with one stone. You can get into a much more creative season 
whatever you want to call it, regional pods of teams that are playing each other, almost like, you know, conferences that actually matter instead of just like one or two games, uh, one game, I should say home and home versus the Western conference or Eastern conference. And then uh, three total games against uh, anybody else in your division or in your uh, Eastern or Western conference. And so they could have figured out ways to make this more creative for travel purposes that would have been safer ways to make a, a, maybe a larger playoff system that would get more fans interested in maybe more of a tournament aspect, which they adopted a little bit with the plan for eight. Um, but I just look at this as like missed opportunity on multiple levels. And then looking down at the spreadsheet, and deciding, well, shit, we cannot take the financial hit that we're being projected on top of what we just saw last year, uh, which was minor in comparison to what I think a lot of people thought it was going to be. Um, and so I think Silver made probably his first, not his first, he's made a few poor decisions, but this is probably his first immediate knee-jerk reaction where he probably was going to go one way, saw the numbers and decided immediately, like, this has to be Christmas, like, this has to be December. If it goes into even Martin Luther King Day, then we're moving into August of next year. And then we've just moved two seasons timeline. So a part of this has to do with college basketball. And a part of this has to do with European leagues still being able to play um, and, and the relationship to the entire ecosystem of basketball around the world. But a large part of this is the NBA kind of forfeiting its pulpit as the trendsetter. Um, in a way that I didn't anticipate. I did not think they were going to be the ones to to be the, sure, we need to hit that that bottom line. We need to get fans in stadiums. We need to get rid of any regional bubbles. Um, very curious to see what the NHL does. They've been a lot more mute on this. Um, and they also have the ability, I mean, they have multiple Canadian teams, whereas the NBA only has one that they have to relocate. The, the NHL still exists. Yeah, that's right. The, uh, that's right. The National feel, Hockey League. I feel like, yeah. A, yeah. Um, but the point is, like the point is, this is this is not what I anticipated this specific league uh, league doing, and and not saying saying that's a slap on the wrist, and like I'm not going to watch basketball, but I, I wish that they were doing sort of where I put them in the hierarchy of intelligent businesses, um, because it matters to the world around us. The the permission structure that college football and the NFL created for society was the negative one. It normalized everything going on, and since those seasons have started every place that has a major division one football program, quite literally like state by state, you can go down the list is having the largest breakouts right now. There are other factors involved, but the normalization of life is normal again, or or life is regular um, that matters. And so I'm very curious to see how the NBA pivots mid season, because I guarantee there's going to be a pivot. Well, they've even scheduled it out that way. They, you know, Mm -hmm. the schedule they're releasing it in two halves. And I think that's because they know, understand that adjustments will need to be made or that they at least foresee that it'd be smart to structure it that way. I think that the league being painted as progressive is absolutely correct in that that's how it's been portrayed in the past and, and talked about. But it's, it's also important to put that in the context of that progressive identity is only there because it's relative. You know, this is a corporation and so it's being progressive is yeah. a facade essentially unless you're Ben and Jerry's like give me another example of someone who's <laughs> actually progressive as a corporation because it's it's the really WNBA yeah and then also like it's important to remember and this isn't to bail him out at all but Adam Silver does not solely make decisions in fact he makes decisions based off the people he works for for sure. You no, know, he sure. works for the board of governors. He works for the owners. So this yep. decision is not his to make. It's the owners to make. 
And they are going to make a decision that is based off what is going to bring in revenue that they severely lost during the 2019-20 season. The bubble did not make up for everything that they lost. And I think they understand that this season will also not make up those losses. That's a great point. Two-game season, no fans, or 25 to 50% or whatever it's going to end (laughs) up being, there's still going to be a huge loss. So this is driven by money. And at yep. the end of the day, which kind of exposes the entire, oh, the NBA is progressive and our fans are the coolest because we cheer <laughs> for a league that cares, you know, but it's it's not. Things get exposed in times like this, and that's definitely one of them. Mm. I agree. It's yep. it definitely true and also kind of takes Adam Silver's little preamble at the start of the draft last night about this being bigger than basketball. It makes you roll your eyes a little bit. Uh, it's interesting you compare you talking about Silver and what he actually can do. I I feel like Silver has the opposite pluses and minuses of David Stern, and it's kind of in an interesting way. David Stern would just push shit through whether you liked it or not, and he would be tyrannical. He would make decisions that were really stupid, but he would also like kind of in moments where everyone was bickering, he would just sort of push through something. And that had, there's some instances where that worked and some that didn't. I think it's a big reason why the league grew. It's also a big reason why certain things really went wrong at the end of his tenure. The, the thing that like kind of frustrates me and also a little bit about silver is that he is so committed to consensus and doing what is sort of like kind of the most, plurality type of a solution that there are moments and I think this is one of them where like you need to you can't just create a policy as just a mishmash of a zillion people's self-interest you know which I think this is I think a lot of things that have happened in the league a lot of this sort of hinting at change but not going all the way has been it's almost like you take an idea at the beginning of its stage and then you bring it through like seven different departments and suddenly it's a much neutered idea of what or it's much more neutered version of what actually was and i i think that it that hurts silver it helps silver in a lot of cases i think it hurts him in a situation like this because this is i think the time where you need to i mean it's interesting to even use the word need right because there's sort of the business element of need there's also the societal version of need i think it's fairly clear that like no sports league needs to be a good good morally i mean we can't expect that they're multi-billion dollar enterprises you know they exist to make money but i i do wonder if like this is like penny wise and pound foolish from a business perspective as well i don't know what you guys think about that but this seemed to me like the nba like it's almost like they looked at the bad ratings in august and were like oh we can't have basketball in august anymore and like is that really the conclusion or is it more like your apparatus needs to change to facilitate more seasonal ratings? I feel like that's a bigger problem. It's two things, right? It's the hierarchy of importance of sports in general that COVID has placed upon society. People are really reevaluating where their money should go, uh, where their time, their emphasis, their emotion should be placed. I'm, I'm one of them. And I, Mike, you know me, probably love every single sport too much from like dumb shit, like MMA to sports. I really, really love like, like the NBA. Um, and then the second part is, yeah, I mean, overlapping of seasonality was not something that anybody had forecasted financially. I think it was a, a part of the totem pole of, uh, in a SWOT analysis or some kind of concern of a threat to business, but like you're seeing it, right? Like the masters on Sunday can't compete with the NFL. The NBA couldn't compete with, 
every other sport happening in a playoff right. capacity at okay. the same time. So, and so these things matter. That's but, true. But then the question then becomes, yeah, is your answer to avoid all the other sports or is it to change your sport to make it more attractive than the other sports? I wish that the answer was the second one. I think the NBA needs had a chance to change it to the second one. And instead they've kind of run away from they they it's a short term it's frankly a short term thinking. It's, you know, understandable but frustrating. Like I think that this league needs like I that's the reason I asked about the the health of this league for someone else's cuz I think that the game is great but the way it's sold is not and I think there's a disconnect that needs that needs to be solved mm-hmm. here and I I thought this was the chance to solve it but maybe I'm doomsdaying where the league is right now. Well, I think that uh it not being sold correctly is a bigger problem than or at least where we should place more of the blame than anybody is talking about, except for you right now, credit to you right now. You know, we've seen all of these, like, reports, and I just did air quotes, by the way, (laughs) um, in case you guys don't release the video for these. Like, all these reports that are like, why are the ratings down, and what could possibly be going on? And, like, it ranges from, oh, it's because now they have social justice messaging and that's what's wrong and that's completely ignoring the fact that all polls suggest that now the majority of americans are behind things like the black lives matter movement i mean that was proven all the way back in april is when i think that that one poll came out that everybody references plus that's completely ignoring what that even is suggesting about American society. If it's that simple that a basketball fan, a diehard basketball fan, a casual basketball fan even would stop watching sport from that. Like that's something that bots claim on Twitter. If you are a diehard LeBron James fan, that's probably not what your stance is anyway. Um, And we all know like how much he brings in. So I just think that there's been a lot of avoiding and trying to put different you know, reasoning on something that is there. There was this tweet by spirit who we all love and adore um, during the finals. And she was like, they're not even really selling this. And this could be a storyline. Like it, it was not good, I guess, for the NBA that the heat made it. Although to me, like it was very fun and I loved it, but there is such a built-in storyline there that they weren't pursuing, you know, it's the Lakers and they were, they were bought and they recruited each other. And it's, powerhouses and two of the best players in the league versus you know this Miami Heat team that was like built from the ground up and you could go back a couple years when Pat Riley was like you know what I just want to do things organically right now he kept saying that word organically and Eric Spolstra started in the video room and a bunch of their players weren't drafted and Jimmy Butler is the definition of grit and yet that just wasn't even portrayed at all you didn't see that in any commercials you didn't see that at all instead it was like lebron's back and so is the nba and i hope you guys are happy about it because yeah. we worked so hard to get and, and by the way lebron's favorite former team and he and he and riley are like not on good terms like mm-hmm. i know there's just it, it, there's not much there, there should be more texture to it but i mean even going back to the point about the social justice and the black lives matter Obviously, it's bullshit. But the other thing that like kind of kills me, and there is a long history, I think, in the NBA of sort of concern trolling, kind of these these dog whistles for you know for coverage. I mean, you read breaks of the game in in the seventies; it's all there. But why don't you think there are just as many fans that like actually would identify with the league more? 
if they played that stuff up, especially considering the popularity, why is that? Why is that a negative? Couldn't that also be a positive if kind of spun the right way? You could get you could get new fans in the door, uh, but of course that's not how it's portrayed. And if we talk about the the demographics of NBA fans, which is something that we tout when we talk about how progressive the league is, these all should fold into a different conclusion than we're coming up with right now. And instead, it's just like focus on storytelling, focus on what has been proven to make the NBA popular, which is personality. The NBA, without having to wear helmets, without having to, you know, be hidden behind the hockey mask or football mask, you get to know the players more intimately. And that's something that people have cited a lot as why we love basketball. There's also not as many players on the court or in other cases field. Mm -hmm. So get let us know them introduce the stories like that is what they should be focusing on is the marketing i think all of these other problems are also out of their control this is very much in their control and i'm not even saying this to say that that's the entire problem and that's why ratings are down etc cetera, etc cetera. but i just think the stressors are being put on these weird fake issues that don't really exist and i also think what you were saying is completely right that some people are just putting sports in their priorities list way further back people are dying like you, you know it's there's a huge pandemic there's the economy has really hurt a bunch of people so many people lost their jobs other people have been furloughed people are trying to figure out how to pay their bills like there are just other issues right now if you want to look at why the ratings are down sports are not as important to people as they were in last january uh yep. so i just think that there's a lot of like I don't know for sure that I am the one or we are the ones to have the answer, but I do think that the fault is not being properly assigned. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, you know, Mike has brought this up before, which is I call it the Draymond green paradox. When Draymond's on TNT, he's breaking down film in a way that is more intelligent and more approachable at the same time. It's it's a new voice. The people who surround the game that are in their own right, look, the players are playing, the marketing aspect they can do when they're not. But the outside the lines, the folks who are the voices articulating the importance of the sport, what's actually happening, making it approachable for new audiences and folks who've been watching for years, um, you know, putting them both on a playing field where it's not just, and this is not to say like, I like, Charles and, and Kenny and Shaq, I think they're funny, but I'm not sure they really welcome in an entire new audience. I think they help. I think that the people who are around ESPN and TNT have their shtick. They have the way they like to bring the game to their audiences. They're part of the ratings conversation too. The same way that, uh, call it, you know, having marquee games on Saturday nights was a relatively new thing for the NBA as of a few years ago. They tried to create a primetime NBA night. Like there, there are ways that the media side of the sport, the actual game itself, all these things can be triangulated, if you will, into, into a, into a more cohesive business unit in, into making this a better business. And the one thing I will say, have working on the business side of a, of a company and not the creative side, like, like you two find creatives uh, is that you can't go backwards, right? The, the shareholders, those 30 MBA owners, or however many people are parts of the ownership groups, they're not looking to get, 
less money year over year. They're not looking to sell less merchandise or to have ticket prices go down. And I, I should say I'm a season ticket holder for the Sixers still right now. And I live in California. So I don't really know what's going to go on with that. But the point is like the businesses, the CPMs on the websites we work with or work on, the CPMs of the podcast that we host or sell, et cetera, they can't go backwards. The same way with CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and you name it. The commercial spots on their shows can't get cheaper year over year, even though they have to fill more and more spots by being 24-7 news sources instead of maybe like three to four hour blocks each day. And so the emphasis on who the shareholders are, what their goals they're trying to get out of it, that all goes into a relationship to the creativity side of how, how creative can the NBA get knowing that there's still a way that they need to keep going up. Salary cap cannot go back down. They're not going to allow for multiple amnesty contracts in two years because this next year is a flop financially. And so I, I always wonder who has the most power in these conversations. And Helen, I think you nailed it, uh, that it's not silver. Um, and so that's where this, you know, the kind of the difference between sports, like everyone knows the NFL owners are like the all powerful things So Jerry Jones is a much more powerful presence than Goodell could ever be in a conversation. You know, the old guard ownership matters more in that league. Granted, it's a, it's a much more lucrative uh, organ, you know, operation too. But what I'm thinking of with the NBA is that, is that owners get exposed for being greedy and for being assholes and for getting into a luxury tax situation like Fertitta and then immediately destroying a team. Right. And so I wonder what public pressure, what, when that comes head to head here between maybe LeBron deciding he doesn't want to play until January and Lakers and the NBA don't get LeBron James for 10 of their 72 games. Well, it, what, we, almost, we almost got there in the bubble when the, yeah, so where does this meet? Like what, what head who gives, right? What's the, what's the, you know, push so, and pull of this? Work productivity in this economy? Yep, 2020 has already reshaped how we work. Thankfully, it's almost over, although the worst may be yet to come. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so it can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. By the way, hello guys, quality candidate here. Anyway, unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job. That makes Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering limited upside listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts. That means more quality candidates will see it fast including maybe me. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Good news if you're disappointed like me that the NBA season is over. 
Or at least it's good news for people who, unlike me, love this sport, which appears to be the majority of this country. The wait's finally over. Football is back, for now at least, but probably for a while. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. There will be a winner for the NFC East, I promise. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Here's my other question, too. And the like, I think we all agree that there's some sort of disconnect. Who, who belongs in the room to solve it? I'm asking you guys this question too. Like, if we agree that there's a disconnect between, you know, doing things the way we always have been and kind of inching along and missing a chance to do something greater, who who belongs in the room and what is like the what is that meeting? What is the title of that meeting? I think, like, we all agree that like intimacy is the key to selling basketball. Like, but how do we what? What do we do differently? I'm curious what you got, what Haley, you and Ben both think about this. Like, what's we're we're not going to solve the problem ourselves, but like, who who belongs in the room, and what's what are the themes that we should be kind of operating on? I think that's assuming that the decision makers right now, which we've established, are the owners, and then to some degree under their instruction, or I guess in some cases suggestion, but mostly instruction. Silver want to institute changes and want to let other people in that room. I don't know that we should be making that assumption because it, these things do reflect on them wanting to make money. Uh, I think the selling point for the players, both uh, in the bubble when they were, you know, there were various oppositions as to why players didn't want to go in the bubble and then also when they did the wildcat strike and decided that they would like to hold off on games and then ended up resolving that and resuming play. And then again, as they, we heard from reports that they wanted to start around Martin Luther King Jr. Day instead of uh, earlier in December, I think all of those things go back to money. The, the reason that inevitably they ended up folding on all of those is because of money um, and because they understand how it would affect the salary cap going forward. And for owners as well, I don't think that the established amount of money that is coming in is something that they are willing to play with. So I'm not sure that room has an open invitation or even is looking to bring in other people. Who should be in in a perfect world, do you think? Like, let's say we just started over from scratch. Who Who should be in it and what should that discussion be like? to try to solve NBA marketing or promote it better or sell the league better. Yeah. I mean, just if we agree that there's this problem of a disconnect between the quality of the sport itself and the way it's organized and marketed, 
when you combine social factors like COVID with like sort of these other kind of factors, like what I'm, I'm asking, I actually, I have some thoughts on this too, but I'm curious what you guys think, like who, who belongs in the room and what's the main, the main theme? Like how, how do you solve this? Where do we start to solve this problem? I'm not sure. I'd like to hear your thoughts because the traditional answer would be like some PR professionals, but I'm not sure that these problems, like at least the ones that I have issue with, like, you know, the arenas are letting in people and we're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't think that those can be smoothed over with different packaging. So I'd like to hear your thoughts because I'm, I'm not entirely sure. So I have a bit of a, this opinion may get, I mean, this is an unconventional opinion, but I actually think the players themselves deserve some blame here. I think when you talk about intimacy and getting to know these people and sort of having more texture to the sport rather than sort of it being so sanitized um, and personality, I think the players, understandably, but I think that perhaps you know, in a way that is based on just just as much self-interest as like owners. I'm not sure that a lot of these players want people to get to know them that way. I think they resent that. They feel like they're sort of being used for entertainment. You know, we talk about this with Kevin Durant a lot. Um, you know, he sort of resents being something more than a basketball player. And I think about, I, I think they all are doing their own thing and trying to kind of craft their own messaging I, I wonder if sometimes like the players themselves are scared or don't want to kind of open themselves up to somebody else telling their story, getting close to them, being intimate. I think there's a similar thing going on with coaches. You notice in the WNBA, like they're they're in, they're in the huddles all the time. They're telling, they're saying the plays. You feel like you're right there. I think a lot of NBA coaches are like, well, I don't want that. Like that give away my plays, and you know. You see, I actually think a lot of the things that WNBA are doing right now to kind of grow the game are things that they they're in a position where they like kind of need to grow the game. The NBA has got everybody in the NBA I think has gotten a little too comfortable with their status. I I think that's one of the, this is as much on players as anyone else, and I understand why there's mistrust there, but I think that if everyone everyone gets will be better off. If we can feel like we're, if fans can feel like they're really in on the action, that that is that is a part of one of the largest moves that Silver has tried to bring to the table, which is in arena gambling. Um, he's See, been pretty. I, I, I think that's open like. And, a, I think that's a. I mean, I, I get it, but I think that's not really. That's like a piecemeal solution. That's like. No, it's, for, that's like saying like we can't make these games exciting unless we put money on it. Like that. That to me is like not. It's understandable. I mean, what, Mike, so maybe- Mike, Mike. The one of the most important drivers of uh, value to the NFL viewing experience is fantasy football. I agree, but if but you took we- away fantasy football and gambling, the NFL would lose uh, twenty-five to forty percent of its viewership. But, but my off counter- the bat, my counter would be that because of what Haley was talking about, the NFL cannot sell intimacy in the same way. That no, basketball sure. can. So basketball it's, trying to do what the NFL is doing there is a mistake, I think. Yeah, you know, and I, I look a lot at, of differences. Yeah, I think too. Yeah, I look at. I mean, like I know I, I talk a lot about the bygone NBC era and like kind of those like sort of soaring intros where you see all these faces 
and how sweaty they are and how hard they're playing and just sort of all that presentation and it felt like a performance. I don't see as much of that anymore in the television. And I think I don't think that's the t- yeah. necessarily the network's fault. I think some of it is the the people resenting having that much close contact. And I get it, but I think that hurts. I think if the best way for the league to move forward and kind of succeed, I think is to to play up its intimacy and I don't think they do enough of it yet and I think doing so requires some sacrifices on everyone's part and that's but- yeah. Allow me to play devil's advocate for one second, which is we have more um, interaction and understanding um, and intimacy, to use that, that term, with our, our players now than we ever did at any point in the history of the league because of... Yeah, because of social media, because of because of players having to take stances on the societal, you know... Uh, um, call it whatever movements happening around them. I mean, fuck Michael Jordan refused to take a stand on a, on a, a Senate race in the state that he's from. Like, could you feel Michael, you could feel Michael Jordan's presence. When because watching part it of it is we knew less. I'm saying the I don't less know. we knew, the more we place an overemphasized, call it almost like comic book hero relationship to these guys. I, I still have a vision in my head of like a, a cartoon poster of the original dream team uh, where everybody was kind of like made into almost a superhero type type person. And yeah, me too, man. And, and that's nostalgia. But part of that is also that like, I didn't know what Chris Mullen was doing each night after the game. Oh yeah, you did. He was drinking. <laughs> I mean, I know. Cause I could place well, that in my head. <laughs> well, hey, Haley, what, who, know, what do you think about, I'm curious, who do you side with on this one? Uh, I'm not copping out by saying, in the middle. I think that you have a good point when you say we knew less. And so it was, you know, imagining that kind of stuff, imagining personalities and the ability to project them into what we want is still what we do today. Like one of my biggest, uh, beats isn't the word, something that bothers me that I even participate in is like assigning the, the players today personalities based off of one to two traits they have like J.R. Smith is forever in everyone's eyes just like goofy you know and and unserious um so I think that that does play into it it is very fun to do that and you know that era is famous also for being the NBA being super popular like my dad only got back into the NBA when I started covering it so you know we could I could talk about work more um and then he's was interested again but I don't think like on this I don't think without that it's as interesting alone um but I also think when you talk about the intimacy you're right that is more than narratives and it's more than getting to know Kawhi Leonard is a terrible example but for some reason he just popped into my head it's more than getting to know these players um personalities and you know again what what they do off the court it is intimacy with the game as well. I think a lot of people on NBA Twitter I've seen are asking for less about trade rumors, less about, you know, where players want to go and actually more just about the game and knowing about the game and focusing on the, on the game. And that's what they want from coverage, from media coverage and from the way that the NBA sells itself. So I think that intimacy on the court is really important. 
And the beautiful thing about female sports that's unfortunate only because they've been forced into it is the access. You know, there's, it's a wonderful time to be a fan of any female sport because you get amazing access, like media members do, and you get to read all these fantastic stories. And, you know, if you watch a WNBA game, you see that the coverage, like they get, it's a lot more transparent what's going on on the court. And I find that very fascinating. And I'm someone who famously like does not care for how we just uh, decided that everything should be interpreted by advanced analytics, but I am interested in being more intimate with what's going on in the court. I think that's very interesting. So I think it's a little bit of both. Again, not to cop out, but I am copping out. Things are usually on that spectrum of, of more than one side being partially correct. So I, I appreciate the, the yeah, right. mediation there. I mean, I think, I think part of this is that um, we, if you put the two kind of like uh, leaders of their generations up against each other, we know so much about LeBron. I mean, Chappelle put it best, but like the dude with 16 years old or whatever was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and he, you know, exceeded expectations. Um, Jordan purposely kept that veil of secrecy, which in a lot of ways, you know, makes someone more enticing. What you don't know is, is a lot of times uh, you know, more of an intrigue than what you do. That's that, you know, it's a, a box can be anything, a boat's a boat, but a box could be anything. And like, that's, that goes with personalities too. Um, we know so much about LeBron. Oh, is that a saying? Oh, it's just saying? from family guy. Yeah, I've been, I mean, I've been using oh, that gif yeah. a lot to make fun of, uh, it's, to make fun of it's Sam, Sam Presti. Presti. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and David it's, Griffin. Yeah. That's right. For having it's all these draft picks. Yeah. Um, and so, so, but it works for here too. Like what we don't know about Jordan is a lot of what people gravitated towards. It's, it's the way that they then project what they want from him instead of what they know about him. And I think that goes hand in hand with LeBron is that he, he's an open book. We know how he feels about the social issues around him. We've seen him mature from a child, quite literally uh, into, you know, the, the global sports icon um, of our time. Um, and then, Part of that is that the NBA has had to sell the same to go back full circle here, but it's still LeBron's league. You know, uh, hell, you said it earlier, you know, it's still him. It's LeBron is still the, the apex guy in this, in this league. It's, he's not the MVP of the last three seasons, but he's way more valuable than Harden and Giannis still. He's still the, the, the kind of the, the trendsetter, both when it's time to speak out all the credit in the world to the bucks for stepping up and doing it first in the bubble but it's still LeBron's pulpit. Um, and so there is some fatigue for sure. Casual fans who might want to be interested might not be as inclined to want to continue to jump into the same narrative. And look, that's the season coming up. No matter when LeBron decides to play his first game, it's still the Lakers season to lose. They're still going to have two of the top five players in the NBA, top four players in the NBA, whatever you want to call it. They're still going to have LeBron at his peak, most likely come playoff time with AD next to him. They're still going to so, have Alex Caruso. still going to have Alex Caruso. <laughs> Right, be remiss if we didn't mention him. Um, and so, like, that's kind of the way I look at it. It's like maybe there's some fatigue, maybe there's just some, um, you know, over accessibility. There's probably a lot of factors, and I think we're hitting on, on a number of them, and probably correctly. I guess what I'm trying to get at is that the the league itself has a lot of things to consider when you take into effect that we already mentioned that there's you know 30 separate stakeholders at that board, and then there's the board, and then there's Silver trying to acquiesce to all of their concerns and still run arguably one of the more popular leagues 
in the world. Now, we're, this is where we need to step out of our American exceptionalism for the way we like our sports, right? It's like, this is a global sport. We know about that thanks to, you know, Mora in China. And we know about that thanks, oh, to, yeah. how important, thanks to how important just the global sport. I mean, my friends in the UK last night texted me throughout the draft. It was like 4 a.m. when the draft, 5, 5 a.m. when the draft ended. I know they're Raptors fans. So, you know, whatever. When, uh- when was, <laughs> yeah. What was it in Israel when Donny Avia was doing his interview 4 a.m. there too, right? Uh, probably later, right? Yeah, Aren't they like all the, hours? With all with like the, all the wine bottles, like oh my yeah, god, cool. what a setup that was! Sorry, I'm really yeah, excited I, about. Our I know new, you are our new draft Mike, pick. Is that the first uh, Jewish wizard? Uh, probably not. It has to be right. I, it has I to be. I mean. Eh, maybe I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Sorry, but anyhow, the Wizards have an incredibly eclectic team. Talk about a team that's you know appealing for an international audience. The Wizards could start five players that are all from around the world, quite literally from four different continents, I believe. So, or three wait, different continents. Wait, where's the where's the four? No, I forgot that. I forgot that uh, Japan and, and Israel are technically both in Asia. But the point is, mm. like, the point is that this is you know this is the world sport, and Silver is both trying to appeal to the competition within the greater 48, as well as make it accessible to the entire world. And so I I do not envy his situation. I still think he's probably hands down the best commissioner of all the four sports leagues, although the competition is not very steep. Um, But he's going to have to think about things that, that the other leagues are not going to have to. The NFL is America's sport. It touches in the UK. Other, you know, countries like it for the sake of, whatever, the gambling, the, the world around, the pomp and circumstance. But the NFL is an American sport. Hockey is Canada's sport that America gets to touch and very popular in Eastern Europe. Uh, and baseball, you know, has its roots in in many other countries, both in Asia, Central South America, or Central America, et cetera. So the NBA has a lot of unique things happening. I, again, don't envy Silver, but I also think, think if I'm putting my, you know, chips on the table, I'm still going to bet on him to figure this out, whether that's this year or in five years, um, Stern did not have a straight line commissionership. There were many ups and downs. Oh, we're yeah. probably seeing Silver's first, you know, legitimate um, controversy, if you will, or, or downturn. And part of this is the world around him, COVID, et cetera. And part of it's just trying to you know, keep up with the pro- quote unquote progressive, I just did air quotes too, uh, progressive space that he's inhabited as a, as a thoughtful commissioner. And so I'm very interested to yeah. see how it all plays out. Hallie, what do you think? When you say best, commissioner you think he's the best commissioner i think you really need to be more specific because yeah. if you mean best at his job he's not you know he's, they're not it's goodell it's the you hmm. know it's the most profitable league actually hmm. i'm just assuming that so let's it, fact check you it, might it is, have to I cut believe. that but yeah okay, it is yeah the nfl and, can fall know, up but yeah but you know in terms of like best as in like you'd want to be stuck on an elevator with him then yeah <laughs> probably um but they do have a bunch of global potential like you're saying i don't mm-hmm. it's probably the most of the major four i mean maybe eventually if mls can figure out how to tap into the fact that soccer is the most popular sport in the world and do it right then they will surpass that but you know that's decades to come probably but they do have great global potential and circling back earlier, you're talking about fatigue of the same LeBron storyline. For four years, it was the Warriors versus LeBron. And, you know, to make a, a totally. probably incorrect and short-sighted metaphor, like when one president leaves, you know, the next inherits 
the things that he worked on. He inherits his economy. You know, that's just like if you were bored with four years of the Warriors versus LeBron and nobody else in the East even coming close, <laughs> why would you keep watching? Like, yeah. you know, last year, this year, I and that, and now LeBron is back again. As a LeBron fan, this is no problem for me. As a general diehard NBA fan, this has never been a problem for me. But I can see for somebody, again, like my dad, why this would be boring. Why, you know, you'd want something different. Which is also, again, why it's such a disappointment that this year, this um, playoffs, this finals wasn't marketed in this super fresh way. Yes, yeah, so I, I was going to make that point just before you did like yeah it's like that if if it's boring that's the problem of the people who are selling it yeah um, you know yeah. i would say that to to the main message to me of all this is that we know more about these guys these players as people and we know a lot less about them as basketball players yeah and that needs to merge together that is the yeah point. that's very that's well put I, and i think that's that's pretty astute, man. That is definitely where maybe the give and take could could most properly occur. And look, like, was it four years of LeBron and, and the Warriors? Yeah. And was it before that was LeBron versus, uh, I don't know, the, the Spurs? And, you know, now is it going to be LeBron versus pick the Eastern Conference team? I mean, maybe. Like, I mean, isn't it amazing know? that LeBron missed the playoffs and we yeah. thought he was done and then he did this and that Lakers? I mean, I don't Before know. Like, he was done. Mike, just Mike. Uh, okay. Don't make me get defensive on right. your podcast. <laughs> a slight exaggeration, but like I don't know. This, this is it was. There's at least more for a redemption story here than what was presented. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And also the game. This it is a very exciting thing. I think that the NFL, for whatever reason, this isn't even necessarily credit to the NFL, but. I am fascinated by how they constantly have to transform their offenses and defenses to uh, counter. This happens in the NBA, and I don't feel like it's covered in the same entertaining way, which might just be Ooh, I have a theory um, about a media this. thing. But Ooh, I, I have a theory about it. this. It's the <laughs> premise of this book I'm writing, which is that the game has changed too fast for the analysts to understand it. Hmm. The game has changed too much over the past five years that it is barely recognizable in a lot of ways. And the people who's, it's just hard to transmit exactly how much has changed. I mean, do you realize that like the difference, like the, the three point shot and like a guy like Steph, I mean, I just think it's amazing. The, the game has just gone into quantum leaps. I think it's way more interesting now, but I think the problem is that, you know, if you're a guy who has been used to watching basketball or, 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 female and I was like I think actually Dorsberg is so good at this it's like it's not that easy to like take the lessons of what the game was like for its entire history and then translate into how those apply now for the last five years it's just such a different game and so that is my theory and that is one of my big disappointments and I damn well hope that's true because I'm writing a whole book about it yo Mike I also think there's uh, there's NBA Oh, I fucking hate this term, but there's like NBA boomerism. Okay. And like our generation, I'm 34 years old and I have too many friends that yearn for what they remember about the nineties and the early two thousands in the NBA, but not what the nineties and the early two thousands in the NBA were actually like from a, like aesthetically basketball mm. sense mm. ability, right? Like, I'm sorry. It was shit basketball. It was like, shit. It was, it was, it was terrible. A, it was, it yeah. was very well packaged. Yes. Very simple. I think the game is almost too complicated for a lot of people now. Dude, totally. And and 
And part of that is like, people remember the shots Jordan hit. What they don't remember is that the final score was like 86 to 78 or whatever it was. And that the Pacers started three power, two power forwards uh, over 6'10 and a seven foot two center. And they all took the same blocks on the court. Like the, the relationship to nostalgia and that the generational gap, like if we're in our thirties, that means there's plenty of people older than us who the NBA still needs to watch the game who also have that relationship to the eighties NBA to this, to the nineties NBA. And so like figuring out the hook for how to sell what is a more intricate, more nuanced, faster, more open, more skilled, all those things. Like that's, that's what has to be figured out. I don't have the answer for it, but it's maybe your book will help enlighten folks uh, as to how to know and understand this. But like, I keep thinking about like, we're not that old, but we're definitely from another era in terms of like what's impressionable for how we like our sport. Well, speak for yourself. You're not that old. I just had a birthday. And so <laughs> I am you. in a different age bracket now. Um, I was back on the, I, <laughs> thank you. It's actually my 18th. So thank you. I'm going to go buy cigarettes after this for the first time. Nice. Um, I want to push back on the idea that it is too complicated for fans because you know, that you can just simply counter with the NFL's popularity and the NFL plays are probably just to the naked eye more complicated and also like in the nba this is what really irks me about the advanced analytics phenomenon is that you don't have to know what a screen is called you don't have to know the term screen to understand what's going on do you know what i mean that's that's how it is with a lot in the nba and i do think it is now more than ever so aesthetically pleasing and it's very fluid um and there aren't as many interruptions and which, by the way, interruptions are another thing that all this and baseball have tried to cut down on because they think that that is also has yeah. to do with ratings, which in, you know, they are very annoying in yeah. both sports. Not that I consume yeah. a lot of baseball, but yeah, You're yeah right. I just You're back right. on that, but, but it right. has You're changed right. so rapidly. It really has, but that is something that could have been embraced. It's, I don't think it's the argument of has it or has it not changed rapidly. It has, but the commentary should be more about that instead of um, the same interpretation of something that has changed so right. much. Yeah, I think that's a better way of putting what I was trying to say. Yeah, I, the game is the the game. There's more ways to talk about the game, and people have a lot harder time simplifying the concepts into something that is universal, and that it, it, it is not a complicated game in a sense. Well, everyone also wants to sound smarter i think like within media there's also this like zach low evolution she says that she's like (laughs) making fun of other people for trying to sound smart there's the zach low um evolution where it is prestige now to use these terms and to break down um games and it's not always like super easy to consume i don't you know there's there are certain people who i love reading because they do it really well caitlin cooper of SB Nation is one of them. Like I love when she breaks things down. It I really hope I'm a, I hope I'm simplifies it. Oh, absolutely. If but I'm not, I it's okay. Like, I get it. <laughs> no, absolutely. What I I had to shout out. Uh, you know, fellow. we love Caitlin too. Friend yeah, of the pod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Caitlin's great. She's amazing, and that is what I that I think is another problem. That's like super super inside baseball, like sports media, and I doubt that someone on a casual NBA fan at a bar, if we were still allowed to go to bars, actually 
you are, but you should not go to bars right now, but would not uh, probably have the same argument that I have right now that like everybody is trying to be fancier than they should be. Um, But for me, that's another thing that I'm just like, this irks me because you don't love basketball because a team has a great defensive rating. Right. I I sometimes love basketball because their defense, it's amazing. Everything and it's yeah. insane. Yeah, exactly. I think I think a lot of people write to the wrong audience. As the way I look at it, more so is like, I think it's one of the things I try to to do to bridge the gap is just like kind of write like how a fan thinks, and I just think it's it's hard to do that, and that, that to me is what I think happens a lot is like you're not necessarily virtue singling to like that audience when you use these stats. It's just that's how people you interact with talk and it's not necessarily how or or a lot of times what i think is happening is that you're kind of writing how a team can get better or worse instead of writing to illuminate what they do you know what i mean like you sort of say well like speaking of you you write you talk to people you don't talk to people i try to that's the difference that's why everybody will be buying your book. But that is that is honestly the difference. Like, are you are you writing for other media members, or are you writing for people who like basketball and just want to talk about why all of a sudden this offense is good, even though they don't have anyone over six nine on the court? Well, that's very nice of you to say. Thank <laughs> you. I hope it's not you know, but I mean, all these things I think do tie together though. I think all this ties together because we have the the NBA has become so many things to so many different types of people that it has almost lost a little bit what is its core. Like you think about a business, like as they kind of grow, they sort of lose sight of what category they're in. I kind of worry that that's starting to happen with the NBA, and they need to sort of get back. I mean, I, all this other stuff is good, but it's that they do it reaches a large audience. But it doesn't – it has to be in service of the main thing. And I think that we are running the risk with transactions, with how – with not talking about the game itself, with, you know, even like sort of this intense focus on being bigger than basketball. It is sort of good but also kind of self-defeating, right? You're, you're telling people, hey, you're watching this thing. Well, it's bigger than the thing that you're tuning in to watch. Like it is, but also like you don't need to tell me that. Like – Maybe that's why people like – maybe this is why the aesthetic of 90s and 2000 basketball is so approachable. Is. One-on-one isolation basketball. You can literally watch and understand what's happening in a much more consumable like way than watching like – you know, I, I don't know, give the, the Heat as an example. You know, the Heat ran some incredible sets to, to get to the point, uh, to get to the finals this year. I mean, the totality of their team is why they were so good as opposed to – you know, again, maybe watching LeBron and AD is a lot more intellectually like understandable. Like uh, these are all interesting crossroads, I think. Um, the league is definitely in a place where it it has been given a gift and a curse of LeBron. Uh, it has been given a gift and a curse of Steph and the Warriors. The you know pushing the league forward by a decade plus, maybe to your timelines point. But I, I'm I'm still of the belief that. Someone like Zach Lowe might have a particular audience uh, when Mike, you know, does his Pratus pictures or, or his newsletter. Like, I think there's an audience there that can be stimulated by this. I just feel like 
it, it does all live under one umbrella though, which is like, I like basketball. Like I prefer to watch maybe the NBA to college basketball because of, you know, the, the progression of the game that it's a higher quality. I like both. I mean, I'm hell when I do, when we do like NBA draft stuff, like Mike doesn't even come on the podcast. Like I just have like someone else on, he's completely worthless when it comes to college. Hoops. The draft's not my thing. It's not particularly like, ever been my thing either, except for, yeah. Like, I always cry. Like, last night I was crying quite a bit. Um, but <laughs> yeah. it's pretty typical of me. But it's not my thing either. Um, I will say, first of all, I want to be absolutely clear that I love all of Zach Lowe's work. <laughs> oh, no, Zach is um, great. Just, yeah. It, yeah. You're talking about he, the imitators. There's a reason that he's gotten to where he is. It's because he brought in, like, something new mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily in media, and he perfected it, and he's really good at it and a lot of other people want to perfect it but again like your heat example they did they did run complex things but I think that it while it is difficult for defenses to solve I still don't think it's that hard for people to consume you can still see why the Miami Heat are good why they can score you know you could I could ask somebody who doesn't watch basketball like why do you think that they're successful and they'll say you know a number of reasons in in a particular game because the Heat were a little um, up and down and how they had success uh but I think the real problem like the the thing that's hard to understand is like how a defense solves it that's the real conundrum I don't think it's like why they're good so I do think it is consumable but it's not marketed to be I could not agree more with Great. what you're saying. It, it, yeah. it, they are good because they move around a lot and they have amazing shooters and amazing. And it's hard to move around a lot. How yeah. to stop that? Yeah, that's a different question. But there is, a, there is there is like yeah. a confluence of sort of the two that I think pervades a lot of writing that I understand it, but it's it's hard to separate. But yeah, yeah. I mean, look, exactly if I had never watched any basketball and then I tuned into the playoffs. I can tell the Sixers had bad chemistry and the Heat had good chemistry. Whatever equals chemistry doesn't matter. It's just you, you can understand what looks good, who likes each other, things that are, again, easily marketable. Like Jimmy Butler's coffee situation in the bubble was a really interesting and fun marketing thing because it showed that he was enjoying himself in an atmosphere where maybe some other players weren't. And that pretended well to his camaraderie with Goran Dragic and an unexpected friendship. And like it's just like easy stuff that is – you know, well-marketed in like reality television for fuck's sake is stuff the NBA could do. I mean, the bubble itself should have been a reality TV darling if yeah. the players were okay with the access and some of them probably were. Look, if you, um, if you can't market Jimmy Butler, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Um, all right. Well, guys, I have um, stupid other real, like I'd say real work, but like, this is just my, my fun time of the day to hop into. I, we appreciate getting an hour of, of, of Haley's time here as well. I know that you're probably going to get into some ideating and, and whatever it may be for your blue wire concepts that someday people here will understand. I'm sure we'll promote it on this show uh, again, but um, Haley, anything else um, that you want to plug or say, look out for, I mean, we did in the beginning, but I'd love to give you one more opportunity here as part of the blue wire family. Uh, I'm going to be releasing a book of poems, I think. In, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, for real, do it, man. I would buy it. Let's do it. One, one time my phone got stolen and I was like, can you let, you don't have to get my phone back. But like, just let me know what you think about the poetry and the notes after. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
Uh, no, I, it's the same as the top of the show. Please just stay tuned for things that cannot be named yet because I literally don't have names for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter at Haley O something. Haley's just H-A-L-E-Y. None of the extra stuff. Just just the real shit here, H-A-L-E-Y. <laughs> awesome. Well, Thanks this for was having great. me, guys. You'll have to return the favor. Please. I would love to. I would love I have to. Mine. And but just to be clear, it is literally Haley O something. The O something is it is O something. <laughs> it is not like O and the something is like kind of a euphemism. Right? <laughs> no, yeah. It's literally O something because uh, my last name is incredibly hard to spell <laughs> and pronounce. So... At least you don't have a completely, uh, a completely notorious last name like myself, which was totally <laughs> cool up until like two years ago. And then I was, uh, yeah. yeah. Or, a last, or a last name that's way less cool than what everybody thinks it is. But always mispronounced because even in conversations with people who I know, they're like, tell Prada we really like. Then I'm like, oh, I'll tell Prada for sure. But it's Prada, nonetheless. <laughs> Hillary still makes fun of me. Is like, I thought <laughs> I was marrying into the family. Yeah. Well, you got her now. Um, but cool. Um, this was great. Haley, thank you again so much for coming on. And, uh, and Mike, um, always good to talk to you. I know you're on double dad duty, so this is your little reprieve as well. Uh, and, and a good time to, to express how much we love the NBA, despite maybe the, the numerous flaws and, uh, and corrections that it'll be going through. This is yeah. still an NBA forward podcast. We love the sport. Um, more to come. Check out our pod from earlier in the week with Christian Winfield. Some of it still holds true, although shout out again to the Sacramento Kings and Bucks for fucking up like 25 minutes of that with their trade. I think think this is all a little bit of a ruse. Yeah. We'll see more to come. Trying to get more money. I I think he's going to stay. Let's let's cross that bridge when we get there in like the next pod where we'll be talking more about free agency. Um, But again, uh, until next time, everyone, this is a limited upside podcast. Mm -hmm.